This is Radio Energy News. Good afternoon, you are listening to Radio Energy. It's one minute past five. I'm Aaron Proctor. On today's show... A new football league was announced in the early hours of this morning, set to shake up football on a global scale. But there are fears it is just a big money grab. It's a criminal act against the fans. Another manifesto was announced this morning as the Scottish parliamentary election looms closer. We will tell you all about what the Scottish Conservatives have planned. I think we've got by far the most attractive um, manifesto going forward and, most importantly, the most realistic one going forward. And later on, a very special mum got an operatic surprise when a TikTok star was invited to her garden. But first up, 12 elite European football clubs have agreed to form a breakaway Super League, prompting mass condemnation from football media, organisations and supporters. No Scottish clubs are included in the plans, but the aftershock of this announcement could reach the game in Scotland. Our sports correspondent Sean McGill has more on the story. AC Milan, Arsenal, Atletico Madrid, Chelsea, Barcelona, Inter Milan, Juventus, Liverpool, Manchester City, Manchester United, Real Madrid. 12 of the most iconic football clubs in history. Now they are rebels. These teams have shocked the sporting world with their announcement of the European Super League a breakaway entity set to rival the Champions League and wreak havoc in domestic divisions across the continent. Late last night, the Super League released its first official statement detailing how the competition would work and the financial incentives, including a shared €3.5 billion pot for founding clubs. These teams will keep their place in the annual league regardless of domestic performance, creating a closed shop one that would exclude Scottish clubs from facing Europe's elite. The move has been panned for its lack of competitive spirit and integrity. UEFA have branded the concept as cynical and have reiterated that any clubs that take part in the Super League will be expelled from all of their domestic, continental or international competitions. Leading football personalities have lambasted the proposal, with disapproval coming from Jamie Carragher, Sir Alex Ferguson and particularly Gary Neville, who was extremely critical on Sky Sports yesterday. It's criminal. It's a criminal act against football fans in this country. Make no mistake about it. This is the biggest sport in the world. This is the biggest sport in this country. And it's a criminal act against the fans. Simple as that. Deduct points, deduct their money and punish them. And for Scottish fans of Super League clubs, this could change their entire footballing perspective. Hi, I'm Oli Moore. I support Arsenal. And I feel, feel really let down by my club for joining the Super League. I think they completely ignored the fans' wishes. Hopefully Scottish football won't follow suit. My name's Deji Folleronshu. I'm a Manchester United fan. I think this is going to make me more invested in Scottish football and local football especially. There are still plenty of questions to be answered regarding the European Super League, but for many people, it's hard to shape the thought that the events of the next few days could be looked back upon as a seminal period in the history of the beautiful game. And I'm joined by Sean McGill now. Hi, Sean. So why are people so annoyed by this news? I mean, there's so many different reasons why people are annoyed by this. I mean, partly it's the fact that 
is such a closed shop that the same 15 clubs as the proposal eventually, it's currently at 12, the same 15 clubs will compete in this competition regardless of their domestic standings, how they're doing in their leagues. They'll keep playing each other every season no matter what. And there's a money aspect. We're in the middle of, of a pandemic and this just seems like clubs, the richest clubs in the world, are trying to further line their pockets. There's also the tradition of it. It seems a bit sneaky to do it in the timing, like I said. And it's also unfair on on smaller clubs throughout the world of football. So fans are, not just fans, there's so many stakeholders in football who are rightfully incensed about this. And many people in Scotland will be wondering where the likes of Celtic and Rangers are in relation to a league like this. What does that mean for them? Um, it's an interesting one. I think obviously Celtic and Rangers are huge football clubs. We all know that in Scotland. But in terms of this, this is the absolute elite of European football. If you look at the Deloitte rich list, the, all of these teams, bar AC Milan, are in the top 20 of the most richest clubs in the world. Celtic are within the top 100 and Rangers the top 120. So they're a long, long way off being of the, the stature and the economic power of these clubs. So they can't quite compete on that level. There's always been talk of an Atlantic league that might include Celtic and Rangers with the likes of the Scandinavian clubs, maybe some Dutch clubs, Belgian clubs. And this sort of breakaway league will only further uh, perpetuate these sort of conversations. Okay, so what about ordinary Scottish people, uh, those who perhaps support large English clubs? Um, will they now turn their focus to more local Scottish clubs? Well, people are angry. And I think that people feel completely ostracised by the sort of power grab that the clubs have gone with. So people will turn away from their clubs if this is to go through. We still need to see what happens. There's been outcry on social media. There's protests and um, banners outside Anfield, Liverpool, Liverpool's ground today. So we could see an increase in attendance and interest in the Scottish games and particularly for, for smaller clubs, more local clubs. Thank you, Sean, for that. And now for the rest of the show. The Crown Office have released a full breakdown of all COVID-related deaths in every Scottish care home. This comes after First Minister Nicola Sturgeon called for a public inquiry into the treatment of care homes throughout the pandemic. Thomas McCabe has more on the story now. This was a promise that First Minister Nicola Sturgeon made last October. There will be a full public inquiry. That full public inquiry will look at the issues of care homes. Today, BBC Scotland have published data from the Crown Office which shows the care homes and operators worst affected by coronavirus. This data has been fed into an interactive dashboard, which allows people to view care homes with reported COVID deaths according to council area and filter the affected homes by operator. The dashboard also gives people access to contextual information such as historical complaints. There have been over 10,000 COVID-linked deaths in Scotland, approximately a third of those having occurred in care homes. This data comes as the care home industry claims that it was let down at the start of the pandemic. We spoke to Jenny, who works in a care home. Do you agree that the care home industry was let down at the beginning of the pandemic? Um, well, I would say yes, um, as I started as a carer in October, so it was quite far into the pandemic at that point. But even then, I feel like the care home industry was let down a bit. I didn't receive my first COVID test until a week after I had been working in the care home. I could have taken the virus in with me at that point. It became almost like a routine to hear that the other residents had passed away, which was really sad and scary to hear. And I felt like we let the residents down. Until now, it was unclear how many COVID-related deaths there had been in each care home since the start of the pandemic. While some operators such as HC1 notified residents of their families about outbreaks in their homes, others never, as there is no statutory obligation to do so. 
The Care Inspectorate also refused to release a breakdown of COVID-linked care home deaths on the basis that them doing so could have a significant impact on the commercial prospects of the operators. Yesterday, Sturgeon acknowledged that discharging elderly people from hospitals to care homes in the early stages of the pandemic was a mistake. The COVID death number in Scotland, in care homes overall and in care homes, is too high. Um, we didn't get everything right. Over 1,300 elderly people were sent into care homes before a robust testing regime was established. Scottish Labour leader Anna Sawar labelled the situation in care homes as the biggest crisis of the pandemic and stated that sending COVID-positive patients into care homes was unforgivable. The First Minister has told BBC Scotland that she wants a judge-led, UK-wide public inquiry into the handling of the pandemic to commence before the end of this year. My preference would be for it to be on a four-nation basis. There would have to be, I think, particular aspects in each of the four nations because we didn't do everything identically. But I think it would be better to have a four nations uh, basis to that but i can't force other governments to agree to it so if we can't get that agreement in good time i will move ahead with a scottish only public inquiry and thanks for that thomas it'll be very interesting to see how the parties respond to this news and this links very well into our next story the scottish tories today announced their manifesto for this year's hollywood election making them the fourth of scotland's five major parties to do so our reporter Niall Fancy has been taking a look at each party's defining policies and how they could sway the electorate now that voting has begun. Over the last few days, postal votes from across Scotland have begun landing on the desks of the electoral offices. The 2021 Holyrood election has officially begun. An election in the midst of a pandemic has provided new challenges for Scotland's political parties, but one of the key moments in an election race has remained unaffected by COVID, the launching of the party manifesto. The Scottish Conservatives have today announced their key policies to the public in the hopes of winning their support. Their announcement comes just days after the SNP, Scottish Greens, Scottish Lib Dems announced their own manifestos. Scottish Labour are set to announce theirs on Thursday. So which policies have stood out from each party? The SNP have promised to provide free music tuition for school pupils should they form the next Scottish Government, as well as a pay rise for NHS staff and investing a further £1 billion to close the school attainment gap. The Scottish Liberal Democrats, led by Willie Rennie, plan to prioritise greater mental health services and training. They also hope to shake up the education system by moving to a Nordic model, which includes deferring the start of primary school until children are seven years old. The Scottish Greens have put environmental recovery at the heart of their manifesto, with plans to ban the sale of new petrol and diesel cars by 2026 and to introduce legally binding nature recovery targets. They have also expressed their support for a four-day working week in which people will receive the same salary. Douglas Ross and the Scottish Conservatives have been running on the platform of opposing independence after a second referendum received public endorsement by both the SNP and Scottish Greens. However, independence is not the only issue on the table and the Tories have outlined their plans for recovering from COVID-19. Vice Chair of Maury Conservatives, Craig Stuart Toner, shared his views on the newly published manifesto and whether or not it met his expectations. Um, I was looking for local policies, which I think I was quite happy with today. There's things in the manifesto which is excellent. So we've got a commitment for, I think it's 3,000 new teachers, 50 of which are going to come directly to Murray. There's a commitment to restoring the maternity unit at Dr Grace Hospital in Elgin. I think we've got by far the most attractive um, manifesto going forward and, most importantly, the most realistic one going forward. The Conservatives' manifesto, which is 60 pages long, gives voters their first look at what a Scottish government would promise to deliver. One of their major talking points is education, an area on which they have been critical of the SNP government's management. They have pledged to invest in closing the attainment gap and extra tutoring, 
Significant changes in the criminal justice system, including scrapping the not proven verdict in Scots law, also feature. MSP candidate for Sky, Lochaber and Badenoch, Jamie Halcro Johnson, spoke to us about the importance of getting the manifesto right and whether or not the Scottish Tories have succeeded in doing so. My colleagues have been working extremely hard, engaging with different organisations, different individuals across a variety of different sectors to make sure that we had a manifesto that was fit to, uh, you know, to take us as a potential government over the next five years. And I think that's absolutely what we've been able to deliver with a, a lot of really interesting and innovative ideas. You know, what we don't want to see over the next five years is a Scottish government uh, or particularly an SNP Scottish government, which is focused on agitating, calling for a referendum that just really is not the answer to anything. It's an excuse for their 14 years of failure in government. So looking at the manifesto itself, I think there's some vital work around economy, investing, a enterprise bill, uh, looking at more uh, economic development in each region, which actually really brings that kind of level of experience to closer to communities. We want to make sure that full fibre broadband will be rolled out across Scotland by 2027. But no, I think this is a manifesto that really does uh, you know, tick all the kind of boxes in terms of uh, you know, the, different, the different needs of Scotland going forward. I, you know, I rule nothing out. I think we've got a really good manifesto. I think we've got a really good message. And I think it's one that the people of Scotland will, will be attracted by. The Conservatives have struggled to gain widespread popularity in Scotland for decades and will be looking to change their fortunes in this election. Their campaign as the anti-independence party presents challenges for them, given the growing popularity of the Indy Ref 2 movement. But we will find out on the 6th of May whether they will get to act on the promises which were made this morning. It is always very exciting to see what all the different parties have planned for the next parliamentary term. And of course, Labour will be releasing their manifesto tomorrow, so keep your eyes out for that. But next up, in just a week, gyms reopen and life scrapes another inch back to normality. But we cannot forget the enormous toll lockdown has taken on everyone's mental health over the past year. For many of us, 2020 was the most challenging year yet. And for the past 12 months, We have been sacrificing not only our liberties and personal freedoms, but our peace of mind too. The proposed date of the 26th of April for the reopening of gyms is set to make a hopeful improvement on the population's mental health. It signals a return of routine, reprieve from the day-to-day, and for many, a return to real life. With more on the story is reporter Gregor McRae. Nikki Graham was just 38 years old when she died of complications of anorexia, an eating disorder she battled with on and off since childhood. On the 9th of April, despite a willingness from the reality star to get better and a stint in a private clinic, she died in her sleep. Just days before her death, her mother told ITVs this morning that the closure of gyms during lockdown was a major factor in causing her to relapse, as her regular exercise habits gave her a sense of control over her condition. Nikki's story is one tragic example of how lockdown, specifically gyms being closed, can impact people's mental health. Mental health nurse Tom McCabe explained why exercise is so important for our psychological well-being. Gyms opening has two effects on folk, physically and mentally. Physically, obviously, there's the release of the endorphins and feeling a lot fitter, healthier. And that impacts on our mental health because you feel good about yourself. There's also the social aspect of meeting up with other folk. During the most recent lockdown, over 180,000 people signed a petition pleading with the UK government to keep gyms open. It's said that the facilities being closed can affect us pretty badly as they provide a distraction from the stresses and strains of everyday life, 
as well as having a vital role to play in terms of social interaction. Nuffield Health Gym in Fountain Bridge, Edinburgh also lobbied elected officials and gave a tour of the gym and its safety measures to their local MP in an attempt to keep it open. Earlier, I interviewed Daniel Astridge, a manager at the gym. I started by asking him his thoughts on the government's timetable for reopening businesses during the previous lockdown. So as we started to come out of lockdown one, um, prioritising pubs and restaurants and the, the eat out to help out scheme and stuff before gyms were reopened, I think it was a mistake. I think gyms were a much safer environment. The protocols that were in place were really strict and had to be adhered to. Our members weren't being granted access. Um, the cleaning protocols were really, really strict. So I think it was a much safer environment within a gym than it was within a pub or a restaurant, even with table service, etc. Yeah, coming out of lockdown one, I think priorities were wrong. We were thinking more about economic recovery more than uh, the general public's mental health. Yeah. He also told me about the safety measures Nuffield will have in place and his personal thoughts on the imminent reopening of Scotland's gyms. So everything will be on a booking system. So that will ensure that numbers do not exceed what has been risk assessed as the safest maximum number. When you come into the club, obviously it'll be one-way systems. Masks will have to be worn at all times until you're in your own little either workout area or in the pool. The gym will all be marked out with um, tape on the ground. So disinfectant sprays all over the place and wipes. So yeah, we're, we were very happy with how it went when gyms were open between lockdown one and lockdown two. That's some good evidence to base how we're going to work um, this time round off of. Yeah, there, even though like there's still social distancing in place, there's still a bit of a social um, dynamic around being able to go to the gym and, um, and seeing others as well. So um, there's like that mutual motivation. So no, I'm excited. I'm looking forward to it. Um, and a week to go today, so not too long to wait. As Daniel said, gyms in Scotland are scheduled to reopen a week today. Here's hoping that this further step back to normality will be key to combating society's mental health crisis as we slowly begin the road to recovery from the pandemic. Still to come, Scotland's school children turn to school today as we make our way through the Scottish Government's easing of lockdown restrictions and a mother whose weekend of freedom was made musical. But now, the local news with Ali Dunn. Two visitors have made reports against an aggressive couple who have assaulted people on Colton Hill last night, according to Police Scotland. The man and woman approached several members of the public. After intimidating the locals, the man turned to physical violence. An eyewitness, Dylan, described the couple as looking drunk. The couple were blasting music before the man asked people for fights, while the woman waved the speaker in people's faces. The man charged towards him and his group of friends, kicking one in the back of the head from behind. A French creperie on Morrison Street called Le Petit Café has taken to Instagram to remind people not to forget about local businesses. Their post included photos of large queues outside of a nearby Costa, with a price comparison between Le Petit Café and other coffee chains. Le Petit Café being the cheaper option. Edinburgh locals commented on the post and showed their support for the cafe. Cafes in Edinburgh will be reopening on the 26th of April for indoor services under Scotland's new lockdown rules. Hi, I'm Cara Neary and I'm 19. I would feel better going to a local cafe, but usually I will go to a big brand because it's very convenient and I know what I'm getting. I would feel a lot better if I went to a local place right now rather than big brands, yes. 
An Edinburgh-based wealth management company has been acquired in a seven-figure deal. Caledonia Asset Management, which was founded 21 years ago, has been taken over by Matoyley Woods for a figure of up to £1.6 million. It is the latest company to be bought by them following their acquisition of a firm of financial advisors called Paul Arnold Financial Management, which was done last week for £4 million. Details and designs have been revealed for the new eight-storey Johnny Walker retail store opening in Prince's Street. Opening this summer, the store will include visual theatre and storytelling to take the clients on a journey. The store will also include an exclusive service such as interactive flavour activities that match the client's tastes and scents to a whisky profile. The clients will then be able to bottle their perfect whisky. Johnny Walker on Princess Street will also include a lifestyle boutique that sells store-exclusive, branded, sustainably sourced clothing, home accessories and bar tools. London-based brand innovation studio Daziel and Pau partnered up with Diego Edinburgh to design the store and its unique whiskey tasting experience. And that was Ali Dunn with the local news. Thank you. After months of disruption and online schooling, the majority of Scotland's secondary school students are finally set to return to school today. This is the next step in the government's easing of lockdown restrictions in Scotland, another inch closer to normality. Our correspondent Emma Barton speaks with students and teachers who have gone back to school today as lockdown measures are lifted. Some areas of Scotland saw the return of students to school last week. However, today is the day that the majority of Scottish students set foot back onto school grounds, armed with their pencil cases and masks, for the first time in months. I spoke with Erin, an Edinburgh-based student who is in their final year of secondary education, about the transition from home learning to returning to school grounds. I've had Google Meets and catch-ups with my teachers online, but we've never really had live lessons, and I have two subjects that I've not had a single live lesson for. The priority for like online learning is for younger people who aren't setting exams, which to me seems really odd, because I know realistically I'm going to be really behind on work, so I'm nervous to go back in that respect. Nina Melville, a secondary school teacher from Ayr, discussed how she felt about the return of students and how the ways of teaching have changed. Nina is looking forward to their students' return with the correct regulations in place. Um, In terms of returning to school, I feel okay actually. I know that my school's got really good um, regulations in place as far as cleaning and keeping everything sanitised. She stresses that her main focus going forward for the remainder of the year is the senior students. The main kind of concern for me is to make sure that all my senior phase pupils have got everything prepared for the assessments that are taking place instead of exams this year. So I think that's the main workload for teachers, secondary school teachers anyway, for this session is trying to get the best for our pupils uh, for their futures. Olivia, a fourth-year student who is set to have assessments within the next coming weeks, speaks of how the school has changed since she was last there. Being back at school is very stressful, and with the coronavirus situation, it's getting more and more hard to handle. We have exams coming up next week, and with having to teach ourselves half the curriculum, it's becoming more and more confusing and not knowing what we're doing. And especially with maths, it makes it very hard to concentrate as you get hot in the classrooms very easily. And sometimes we have to social distance, but due to the small classrooms, we're unable to do this. 
The reopening of schools is only the beginning of lockdown restrictions easing across the country, with retail and businesses getting the green light to reopen in time for summer. After a year of uncertainty, the reopening of schools has paved the way as the country prepares to return to normality in the upcoming weeks. And thanks for that, Emma. It's always lovely to see progress back to normality. But now our correspondent, Alexandra Kumuniak, with the latest updates on international news. Humans have flown a drone on another planet for the first time ever. The solar-powered helicopter Ingenuity hovered above the surface of Mars as planned. NASA has shown a video of the rover, which took more than three hours to be beamed back to Earth. It shows us hovering our three meters above the Martian surface and then touching back down. It's amazing, brilliant. Everyone is, is super excited. <laughs> so I would say it's a success. I would say. Doctors of the Russian opposition activist Alexei Navalny report they have been denied access to their patient, despite the fact he could die at any moment based on his latest test results. Alexei Navalny declared a hunger strike less than a month ago after he was refused immediate medical care. His potassium levels have risen to the point that they could provoke a heart attack. UK's Foreign Office as well as European Council of the European Union call for immediate release of Navalny from his imprisonment. Protests have erupted in Chicago today following the shooting of an unarmed 13-year-old Adam Toledo. The Mexican-American boy was killed by Chicago police officer Eric Stillman in what was originally called an armed confrontation by the department. Recently released body cam footage shows the boy unarmed with his hands up being shot to death by the officer. Protests in Minneapolis have entered their sixth night whilst hundreds have attended demonstrations in Chicago. Chicago Mayor Lori Lightfoot released a statement asking protesters to remain peaceful. While we don't have enough information to be the judge and jury of this particular situation, it is certainly understandable why so many of our residents are feeling an all-too-familiar surge of outrage and pain. And it's even clearer that trust between our communities and law enforcement is far from healed and remains badly broken. And on a lighter note, there have been hugs and tears as families in Australia and New Zealand have reunited for the first time in more than a year. A travel bubble between the two countries has come into effect, meaning passengers won't have to quarantine after arriving. Both countries have managed to contain COVID outbreaks with tough travel restrictions. Quite emotional. It's nice to be back in Australia, I have to say. Nearly two years and I haven't seen my partner for uh, that period of time, so it's been very tough. She's my stepdaughter, she's only 12, and her dad doesn't even have any idea that she's here yet. It's surprising him. And finally, a shielding mother who got a heartwarming musical surprise from her daughter, who she hasn't seen since the start of the pandemic. Here's our correspondent, Emma Cooper-Rayburn, to tell you more. The past year has resulted in a lot of us dreaming about when we can go to a gig again. But for Edinburgh mum, Patricia... She received a full live music experience right on her doorstep. Eighteen-year-old Harry Stevens, who has accumulated over 30,000 followers on social media site TikTok with his impressive opera talent, was reached out by Patricia's daughter Charlotte Slay to give her opera-loving mum a live performance she will never forget. Patricia has been shielding throughout the whole pandemic, which has meant she hasn't been able to hug her daughter for over a year. As a result, Charlotte came up with a lovely way to surprise her mum, who had no idea she was about to get serenaded in her garden. In the video footage, Harry sings to Patricia from outside her window, 
while other members of the community peer out of their windows to watch the breathtaking performances of Ave Maria and Phantom of the Opera. Speaking about the performance, Charlotte said that her mum was so gobsmacked to hear Harry sing for her and explains how for the 25 minutes he sang, felt like it was as though time had stopped. And thank you, Emma, there for that very heartwarming story. She sounds like a very, very lucky mum. And in travel and weather, it is another sunny day here in Edinburgh with highs of 15 degrees Celsius and lows of 6. It will be partly cloudy for the rest of the evening and small showers are expected for tomorrow. In travel, temporary traffic lights have been set up on the Western Approach Road at Russell Road for today. Disruptions are to be expected. Drysdale Road will be closed today until the 24th of this month while installation work is being done. And Lovian buses have announced today a change in service will take effect on Sunday the 25th of April with improved reliability and increased frequency. You've been listening to Radio Energy News. I'm Aaron Proctor. This is Radio Energy News.